Hello and welcome to episode 110 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand marketing consultant. And today I am once again joined by Paula Cohen, business coach at her business, Tailory. Welcome back to the show, Paula. Thank you, Tom. It's great to be here again. In the last episode, listeners, Paula and I talked about navigating our pricing as business owners, the common challenges that we often face, and a whole bundle of advice on how to overcome those and be confident with setting your pricing. So pop that one on the playlist if you missed it. But today, Paula, we are talking all about you and your business. So let's kick things off with... What was it that inspired you to start your business? It's a good question, isn't it? it uh, it's one of those where it feels like it should be a really straightforward answer. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, what inspired me to start my business was um, the opportunity of redundancy from the corporate world, as you know, so many people um, go into business. And I had taken a job when I was 18, just because it was a nice, easy job. At that age, I was actually massively into my athletics. So I was a I was a sprinter. I was competing for Great Britain at that point. So all I was really interested in was a job that was nine to five, Monday to Friday, wouldn't interfere with my training and wouldn't stop me competing at weekends. So I joined a bank. And then I basically spent 19 years going from sort of bored, unfulfilled, various different levels. But every time I tried to leave, they promoted me. And eventually the opportunity of redundancy came up. And it's it's fascinating how your brain processes things because straight away I thought, well, I'm actually in quite a unique role at the moment, so I could definitely stay. And then thought, but why? You hate it. You've been trying to leave. Don't be a moron. Um, so I jumped at the chance to leave and I remember a conversation with a couple of friends over dinner and they were asking me what I was going to do. And, and I said to them, I feel at the moment as though I've been in my corporate box and now somebody has lifted the lid to the box and I've stuck my head up and I've gone, oh, my God, look at everything out there. But how am I going to choose what to do next? And I loved the idea of starting my own business. I think since I was a teenager, I'd always had this thought that I would run my own business, but never had a single thought about what that business would do. I knew at that point that I absolutely didn't want to go back working with the corporate world. Um, I was quite jaded by it and, and I very much wanted to work one-on-one with clients. Um, and it was a friend that actually introduced me to the whole concept of franchising. Um, and when I looked at that, I loved the fact that when you join a franchise, you, you get a ready-made business. You know, your branding is already done for you or your marketing materials are there. There is a team in place. You've got a definition of your business. You've got some marketing support. And I looked at the basic stats on it and actually franchises massively outperform solo businesses in terms of their success rates. So at that point, and I think there was a, a degree of it was the safe option coming out of the corporate world. Um, so i gone down this shift of thinking, I definitely want to buy a franchise, but doing what? So I looked at all sorts. I went to a, different, a couple of different franchise expos. I looked at um, house building franchises. I looked at um, relocating doctors type franchising. And then it was a friend who um, emailed me something. They'd been approached by a business coaching franchise, by Action Coach. And he said, this isn't for me but maybe it's for you. 
so I went along to one of their open days and, and just absolutely, totally blown away. Loved that whole idea of working one-to-one with small business owners, being able to give them a lot of the support that the big corporates get hand over fist, but small businesses really struggle to access. Uh, so, yeah, so I dived straight in. I bought a franchise. So I, I took redundancy from the bank in September 2008 when the world was absolutely rosy. Shit hit the fan in October 2008 and my franchise kicked off in November. Uh, so it was like this, the craziest time in the world to start a business coaching franchise. But that was my inspiration behind it. Oh, bless you. Yeah, I remember 2008 fondly because it was the year that I graduated uni, full of hopes and dreams of a new job and everything else straight into a recession. So that was wonderful. How cool, though. I love the fact that you considered so many different franchises because franchising as a model is something that in all honesty I was never hugely familiar with outside of the realms of kind of McDonald's to be honest (laughs) the most successful franchise model in the world yeah absolutely but as a small business owner I've become more and more familiar with the concept of franchising some of my clients are franchised and it's really interesting that it is a way of owning your own business but like you said it it does feel like a safe bet because franchises you get a lot of support you do have that ready made here's a box of a business and off you go did you have any hesitations around franchising did you consider anything else or was it literally like this feels like the option for me I think at that point I couldn't work out what I would do if I just went solo the only thing I thought I could do at that point was go back to the corporates to sell training programs I didn't I couldn't see a way to sell independently with an offering to small businesses Um, So franchising just seemed like the path. It was a bit like, I can see exactly how that works. I can follow that path. I'm really curious to know, were there some any, were there any that were like super random that really stick out in your memory? Like, that's not for me, but that's really interesting. Do you know that there are franchises in everything? The one that I was really tempted by, I can't think exactly what it was called. It was it was the doctor's relocation franchise because it was like a project management piece for doctors that were moving and you'd sort out housing and, I don't know, find spaces for their pets and all sorts of transition stuff. And I, I quite liked that whole idea of um, just helping people with that big transition. But, yeah, there was something about it which I don't, I don't think I was as convinced about the longevity of it and the success of it. Fair enough. Um, and when it came to choosing Action Coach and coaching as as kind of your next step, do you feel that there's anything from your past, looking back, because hindsight, God bless it, is there anything looking back where you're like, either from your training days or from your corporate days, that you can see why it feels like such a good natural step? Yes, that, that was exactly the thing that I felt that um, obviously as an athlete, you are hugely familiar with the whole concept of coaching. And without a shadow of a doubt, I did far better as an athlete than I would have done without a coach and without a fantastic training squad as well. So I definitely saw the business coaching franchises, that opportunity to bring through some of that sports coaching knowledge tap into some of the the corporate knowledge and um, loads of stuff in corporate about leadership and management and evaluation and I saw it tying everything together it it felt like a a natural progression brilliant yeah I love that because I feel like one of the most common parallels that I see that I never expected to see when it came to business was the difference between business coaching motivation and discipline and athletic coaching training discipline because there's a lot of practices 
from a mindset perspective admittedly one is very much like a physical thing I would never class myself as an athlete not my jam (laughs) but I can absolutely appreciate and see how the dedication commitment and training can be beneficial across both yeah across everything really but it's fascinating though even even basic things like the fact that as an athlete if you overtrain you will be too exhausted to perform well and what do we do in businesses we overwork constantly so the parallels actually are huge. I guess the other thing for me about it is, and I might get a bit sort of political now, that I very much compare business coaching to sports coaching. So it is about helping people to be the best that they can be, to believe in themselves, to grow their confidence, and then to apply all of that to get the best possible results that they can. And I think sometimes there is a bit of a view that coaching is pink and fluffy and that coaching is just asking people lots of questions and don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not dismissing purist coaching at all it's absolutely fantastic but I think there's a bit of confusion that for me business coaching has to be about results not just about improving people oh 100% I think it will be absolutely true now that there is a coach out there for everyone and it is important to be clear again we're coming back to being clear on your goals it's you need to be clear with what you want to get out of that relationship because I've worked with coaches who have been very emotionally and mindset focused when actually what I've wanted is results focused and they both are results focused in different ways but the approach it can be very different yeah um so being clear on what kind of coach you are if you are a coach and where you excel in helping people yes absolutely the approach that you have but also as an individual, you need to be very clear that you're picking the right coach because that is on you. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, so along your business journey, because you've been in business now for well over a decade, which is incredible. Congratulations. As small businesses, we so often hear all of the stats. And recently, a lot of the people that I've had as guests as well, I think it's probably been about a 50-50 split of very new businesses that started kind of in and around the pandemic kicking off because of circumstances or others that have been established for a long period of time and the differences are always paralleled and wonderful to explore have there been any key or core moments along your journey that really stand out um one that I'd love to hear more about is the fact that you're no longer franchised which you talked about in the last episode but yeah could you just share a little bit about the journey along the way gosh I suppose the the obvious thing that stands out from my journey is actually how hard it was to get going um because as we touched on before I kicked off my business pretty much the exact moment that the recession kicked in um and of course at that point you know, it was very much batten down the hatches and minimise your expenditure. Um, and things like business coaching were just looking like a massive luxury to a lot of businesses. Uh, so it took me around about six months to pick up my first client. And I, in typical fashion, as these things often do, I then picked up two clients in two weeks, I think it was. And then it just, you know, it just started to incrementally increase. So I think it was another month and then another month. But by the time I got to that point, financially I was in quite a difficult place I was being funded by bank of mum and dad which as you can imagine did not feel like a happy place to be I think probably for the first sort of 18 months I really struggled from a marketing perspective 
because I was having all those feelings that we often have about being a fraud, you know, talking to people about helping them to grow their business when at the same time mine was not doing very well. I was very much of the opinion that I couldn't talk about that. I couldn't share any of that online. You know, I must put on this fabulous brave face and pretend that the world is rosy. And and ironically, in the joy of hindsight, I actually think it made it much harder for people to get to know me, for people to relate to me, because I was just putting on the corporate mask almost. And the irony is that I wouldn't want to be back there again, but I, I also wouldn't wish to have missed it out. Because what I know now is when I talk to a business that's in genuine financial difficulties, I absolutely know how that feels. I know the pressure of having bills and wondering how you're going to pay them. It's one of the things that means I will never encourage clients to pay me on a credit card if they can't afford it or tell them that, you know, if you were serious about this, you would just invest. Oh, all the ick. I should never be adding pressure to somebody that's in that situation. So it was it was definitely a real tough start, but the 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 experience from that actually is massive for my business. Yes, and you're right, the other the other big pivotal moment for me was leaving the franchise. And it was a you know a seven-year franchise license. And, and I have to say actually that when I first joined them, over the first couple of years, coaches were were dropping out left, right, and center because they just couldn't make it work because people were losing clients hand over fist. So I was I was definitely very proud of myself for actually sticking out the whole seven years. One of the fascinating things about leaving the franchise, because I was then under a 12-month non-compete clause with them. Wow, that must have been tough. That was definitely interesting. So it was pretty much a 12-month sabbatical, uh, just doing a few little bits of private work. But the key thing that that did mean is that I couldn't market as a business coach for those 12 months. So I took a year off social media, which was enlightening, I have to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, obviously, I was there personally, but I didn't do a single piece of business marketing on social media for 12 months, and it was a revelation. <laughs> that sounds joyful. My goodness. Well, I think it's also one of the things that makes me realise now that I don't have to sell my soul on social media. You know, I don't have to be there 24-7, that you can take some time away and people don't completely forget you. You know, and if you've done the work and if you're if you've got a reputation that that will stay with you. Yeah, I think that that's really important as well. I had no idea. Um, So I've met a few people along my networking journey where um, they've been members of Action Coach, but I had never even considered coming out of a franchise and the challenges that that has. And I didn't realise that there would be a 12-month non-compete. It makes sense from a business point of view, from their side of things. But that just, wow, that's that's a big commitment, isn't it? It is. And um, I guess I would also add that there was quite some naivety on my part because I I just yeah, naively assumed that because I had got to the, the seven years when the license matured, that we would just kind of like part as friends and I could just merrily go about setting my business up as solo. So I certainly didn't ask the right questions about that up from an in advance. So yeah, that was another of life's beautiful lessons. I'm really curious as well, if you're happy to share. So you decided to stop with the franchise. Yeah. 
at that point, had you already decided that you were going to continue as an independent and had to factor in the 12 months? Or did you take 12 months and consider during that 12 months whether you wanted to do it? Um, no, I I was very confident that I wanted to continue as an independent. So yeah, the path was clear. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the key thing is I was I was loving what I was doing. I was loving the work with clients. It's quite an expensive franchise month on month. Um, and there's a lot of coaching with it and there is a lot of support with it. There's a lot of training with it. But I'd reached a point where at my stage, I didn't feel that that fee was value for what I was getting. I was just ready for the next the next step for me. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And are there any key successes that really stand out to you, whether that was as part of a franchise or whether that's been since that? you'd like to share yes uh oh gosh there's this oh, I don't know there's a few actually one of them which is probably going to sound a little bit strange is one of my earliest clients I think they were client number three or four maybe they had the makings of a really good business but they had a lot of cash flow challenges when we first started working together um, and those cash flow challenges continued to grow so on paper business was fabulous Um, They just had some real challenges actually getting people to pay. And they reached a point where they had to put the coaching on hold and um, they were, you know, they were literally scrabbling around to pay bills. And I made the decision at that point to say that I would continue to work with them for two months because I was I could just absolutely see what position that they were in. Um, and really felt, you know, if I if I stop working with you now, I just feel like I'm abandoning you in your hour of need. And they they still continue to be absolute raving fans to this day. And that's, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. But actually, within about two years, they rejected an offer of I think it was a million and a half for the business because they've managed to turn it around so well. Um, so yeah that was that was an absolute highlight I loved that one oh fantastic uh, there's another client who again a, a very quirky story and, and it was so strange because I saw these a couple I saw them every week for a year-ish and I think every week I turned up and the wife was already kind of sitting behind the desk and then they came along to one of my planning days and I and I just looked and said, oh, my God, you're an absolute shadow of your former self. What's happened? And she had lost around four stone in weight. And basically what she said was the work that we had done on the vision for the business had actually made her look at herself and realise that what we were creating with the business was a vision far exceeding the vision she had for herself. So it had made her reassess herself personally She'd lost four stone in weight and was just feeling like a whole different person. And I was sort of amazed at, you know, the ripple effect that, you know, you you do work with people and you just don't know where it leads. Um, So that was an absolute highlight. And then another highlight is a client I've worked with over the last three or four years who was a super, super driven client, but absolutely had the wrong business model and asked me to help her in a very specific way. Um, And I think after about a month, I actually said, this isn't going to work. This model that you're following is not going to work. It doesn't suit you in any way, shape or form. Um, And over the next three months, she took her business in a completely different direction and literally went from scrabbling around to over the following 12 months, bringing £200,000 into the business. And the year after that, 
bringing a million pounds into the business and she's absolutely not looked back since amazing um, so sometimes my job is to tell people what not to do <laughs> I yeah absolutely and I think that it's it speaks volumes of the fact that our businesses and our personal lives are so blended together I love the term blended rather than balanced because I feel like a balance is one or the other in choosing whereas a blend is complementary on both sides and how wonderful to see the impact that the work that you're doing on one area of someone's life has such a dramatic motivational and inspirational quality for them as an individual as well yeah incredible so we've talked a little bit about how your business has kind of changed and developed along the way but I would love to talk around your branding a bit about your branding because I imagine for the first seven years you were action coach you had their branding yeah not a lot of wiggle room no no and then um obviously so it's a strange journey I guess to be seven years into the business before I start to think about branding and names and things like that so when it came to so I I had a, a limited company sitting behind the action coach franchise but I wanted to do a total overhaul and rebrand when I left and then of course it came down to business name and God, I found that such a huge challenge. I knew that I wanted to, to have, ideally, a one-word name. I wanted something that I could grow, I could morph, if I changed the direction or the, the travel, that it could adapt with me. But I just found this huge challenge in finding anything that was a, a word or a title that I loved, which also had the limited company available and the website available. So Taylor actually comes around... Um, through, through personal stuff so of course I looked at using anything to do with my name and Cohen immediately sounds like I'm just a firm of Jewish solicitors and PC already has ramifications but lots of other things so I didn't really feel my name particularly work um, but Taylor is the family surname so it's kind of named after after my granddad who was a, a very sort of fine upstanding very kind of traditional but you know massively morals driven man and I loved the whole idea of sneaking a little why on there um, and lots of people think that the tailory bit is about being bespoke so it kind of fits with what I do um, and then when it came to the branding <laughs> I've got down that classic route of choosing what I like so yeah the branding has gone turquoise my logo designer must have absolutely loved me when I said can I have a logo that's based on a crashing wave please um, so I'm up there with his quirkiest requests but yeah it, it kind of comes from the idea that I always see the beach and the sea as quite an aspirational thing. It's sort of, if you're doing well in your business, then you can afford to go on holiday and you can chill out by the beach. And I think it's always great to get to the beach and hugely refresh and, you know, get that sea air. Um, so I love the whole idea of bringing that into my business as a feel. Um, so that's what created the branding of it, really. I love that. I love the story behind the business name because it's got traditional roots with a bit of a quack that works for you. And I feel like there is no better way of finding something that is personal but professional. Professional in air quotes, because what does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I love that it's a value but personal driven kind of extension. Um, I think that that's wonderful and I love the fact that you've embraced do you feel that having a corporate brand for so long through Action Coach kind of gave you that push to rebel against it and just be like I want something that's so anti-corporate that it just feels much more aligned or does this just feel very true to you? Uh, Probably a bit of both yeah 
And I guess, you know, because I worked in pure corporate for 19 years and then 17, seven years in a corporate-ish franchise, I think, yes, there was definitely a bit of rebelling against that. But I think it was very much a case of, you know, this is now absolutely 100% my business. It needs to reflect my personality. It needs to reflect what's important to me in life. And it needs to, you know, feel true to me. So you've had this brand for six years is my maths right there about that 2015 till now so along that time how many times have you kind of looked at your branding or have you invested in your branding in other ways such as strategy and websites so I have a uh, graphic designer on retainer and I have done you know I'm not sure how long I've done that actually I don't know whether I did that straight away possibly I'm not sure so we're, we're kind of constantly looking and we, we only had a conversation last week um, about evolving some of the imagery and exactly where we're at with colours and perhaps tweaking the colours to turn them into a slightly more sophisticated feel. Um, there is a new website underway as we speak. Exciting. So I feel like it's a bit of a constant evolution, really. I don't feel like your brand is ever quite finished. Um, and I think, you know, as your business grows and develops, the brand needs to come along with you. And do you feel that your brand has had an impact on the way that you view your business? Has it impacted your mindset or your sense of success in any way? I think so. Yeah, that's an interesting question, though, isn't it? I, I definitely like the fact that I feel that my branding is quite, you know, it's robust. Um, so everything matches. That does definitely make me feel quite professional. I think there is an element of doing what I do is important to have that right look and feel that I need to look competent and like I've got my shit together (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know my branding allows me to do that but I do also feel proud of it you know I I feel like it's I I love the I love the imagery I love the feel of it I love the message behind it and yeah I, I also I hope very much that it helps people to connect with me more strongly That's yeah I love that and it is about that connection as a slight extension to that I'd love to know when you were so as a coach of part of a franchise and then now as an independent business coach where it's very much you and your values and your approach have your messages and your key marketing messaging changed significantly do you think I don't know how restrictive you were within the franchise model so yes I guess one thing, one obvious thing is without clients having to pay the franchise fee, I was able to appeal to smaller businesses uh, because once I left and and could reduce my fees, um, I was able to appeal to smaller businesses. So that shifts the messaging. I think my messaging has become more honest, more down to earth, more my sort of language. Uh, there's probably a bit more sarcasm in there, you know. Nice. Love a bit of, love a bit of sass. <laughs> yeah, but there's more of my humour in it. There's there's quite a distinct personality to my message and my marketing. Um, whereas with the franchise, I probably didn't feel like I ought to be putting that much personality into it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely evolved. Did you find the franchising model or the franchising limitations and rule set around marketing your business. Did you find that limiting when you were there or is it only really in hindsight now that you know what's possible? I think it's a bit of a journey because initially 
it helped me massively. You know, there's no question at all that in the early days that the franchise was an enormous help. I definitely don't think I would have got a business off the ground as an independent coach during that recession. Um, you know, the training, the support, the the fact that there was about a thousand coaches worldwide, that was that was fantastic. And there was lots of, I say lots of, there was a marketing team who would support with flyers and newsletters and, and different things like that. So there were probably things that got done that perhaps wouldn't have done um, if it was just me. But yeah, I think, and I think it was an evolution. So initially that was all absolutely fabulous. And I didn't have clarity on what my personal message would be. But by the time I left, I very much knew who I was as an individual, as a coach, as a business. And yeah, was really looking to make that message a lot more personal. That's interesting. I think that it's a wonderful example of how we evolve as business owners as well. Yeah. Because absolutely the tools that we need at the beginning can become limitations later on and that's not necessarily good it's not necessarily a bad thing like there's nothing wrong with that it's just that we grow and evolve and then our businesses need to as well so what used to serve us doesn't anymore yeah yeah absolutely true interesting and when it came to marketing so you said that you had a year where you didn't have to be on social media for business (laughs) Um, I'm really curious to know whether you leapt straight back into that social media marketing or whether it was something that you did you have a debate as to whether you wanted to go back on social media I don't think I had a debate about social media as a whole I definitely changed my direction though one thing I noticed is I I felt like Twitter had completely changed over those 12 months and I really felt like it had become very much about broadcasting and not about conversation and that, you know, the vibe uh, just wasn't, that wasn't my vibe anymore. So I didn't go back to Twitter at all. You know, I still have an account on there and I think I tweet about once every three months. (laughs) I only tweet on Twitter when I think that I've got something that's really funny. (laughs) Well, Deborah Meaden and a couple of people like that, but I'm not on Twitter very much at all. And, and I wasn't, I didn't feel disappointed about that. Facebook, I was quite happy to get back to. LinkedIn, if I'm honest, at that point, I still haven't worked out what to do on LinkedIn. Um, I only sussed that out about three years ago. <laughs> hey, a lot of us are still on that journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a never-ending one, isn't it? Let's face it. So yeah, I was I was happy to get back to it, but equally happy that you know, I didn't have to suddenly be showing up everywhere five times a day, that kind of stuff. Nobody had seen me for a year. So if they started to see me twice a week, that would be a bonus, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah, it's interesting. I was I was really curious as to whether you kind of dive back in or not. But I think that finding the bits and adapting with where you were when you went back to it is the best it, you know, it's the best way of approaching it really. Yeah. And I guess the other interesting thing is I don't know whether I would have moved away from Twitter otherwise, because it's hard to make that decision to stop doing something, isn't it? And the change would have been a lot more gradual and a lot less noticeable. And sometimes it feels hugely risky to step away from something like that. Um, And I think actually having been able to put that distance between me and that platform, it was an easy decision to make. But I think it would have been much harder if it was actually still there in the thick of things. Yeah, that's interesting. So let me ask you now, I'm doing the questions a little bit out of order. <laughs> Such a rebel. Where you are now, so you're, you're established as an independent business. You've got this background of having all of the business experience that you've had, survived at least one recession. 
Yeah, my goodness, <laughs> and an apocalypse. What is your favorite or your most effective ma- market- method of marketing your business now? Do you know, it's interesting because you you gave me this as one of the question prompts and I was a bit like, oh, I don't know, that's an interesting one. I think historically, networking has always been my biggest, biggest kind of source of lead generation. I think as much as anything, that's the way I can really get my personality across. So networking continues to be one of my favourite strategies. But I'm also quite active these days on LinkedIn. Um, I have a Facebook group, which is quite a focus. And I've been been increasing my presence on Instagram over the last year. And more recently, have discovered how to dick about on Instagram reels. Because there's no other phrase that Instagram reels apart from dicking about. That is what it is. <laughs> So it's hard to say I've got a favourite one, but I suppose I'm going to forgive myself on that because I do tend to talk to clients about having a bit of a broad spread in your marketing and making sure that it doesn't all come through one channel. So that's my excuse for for having a few different places. But I, I like them because they've all got different personalities. Yes. This is it. And from what I from what I heard, reflecting back on what you've just said there and your answer is that it's anywhere where you can show off as you. <laughs> yeah this is a fair shout you've got me sus Tammy straight away <laughs> it's a wonderful way of doing marketing though because if you can find the places where you feel comfortable and you know that your personality shines then absolutely they're going to be the best marketing platforms for you as a business and <laughs> including dicking about on reels <laughs> I love that phrase absolutely <laughs> perfect so Another question I have for you, which always feels like a massive question, so it's a bit of a challenge, you're welcome, is what would you say is your favourite part of your business? Actually, my favourite part of the business, I'm going to go with um, workshops and planning days. So once every three months, and and I'm so excited because finally in September was able to get back to -to face-to-face workshops for the first time in 18 months. So loved it. But once every three months, I bring all my clients together and we we, uh, spend a whole day working on their 90-day plan. So I just, I love those days because there's so much excitement. You know, there's so many plans coming together. There's people swapping ideas all day. There's so much support going on in the room. Um, and just that excitement really about what people are going to achieve over the next three months is just fab and it's quite sociable as well so I love that sociable element to it as well that's wonderful that's absolutely wonderful and um yeah it, it has been a weird old time with the workshops so did you run any during the pandemic online or anything like that I did I did and I was actually really nervous about it because I really wasn't sure how well it would translate online Um, especially the fact it's a full day workshop so I took the decision that nobody can cope with an entire day on zoom you know it's just so intensive and and your little brain would be mushed by halfway through so I split my workshop into two halves and I split it a week apart um, which actually worked fantastically well because it really gave people a week to kind of ponder and let things sink in and they'd come back with even more clarity it also opened up the door because I've got people like I've got a client in the south of France who obviously doesn't come to my face-to-face planning days but could come to the the online ones so I found I had people from all over um so yeah that was great really enjoyed it but definitely was a um, a very nervous moment about can this work can I translate it will people get as much value from it so yes a challenge of the good old lockdown for sure 
Have you been tempted to continue your virtual workshops as well? Yes, um, it is definitely in the thought process. So my intention is that I'm, I'm going back to my original mould of the face-to-face sessions happen once every three months. But the intention at the moment is that the online sessions will happen halfway through that three-month period. So there'll be one of those every three months. But it also means there's an opportunity there every six weeks if somebody's looking for that kind of support so that's the plan at the moment but we'll we'll see I'm going to be really intrigued as to whether people still enjoy zoom workshops when they don't have to be on zoom so much (laughs) it's really interesting isn't it because I feel like for the first time ever we're much more aware of different not different needs not different accessibilities not different kind of fundamental what we can at our base level do but now we're much more accepting of different personality types and preferences yeah because like I love being able to hop on a call hop on a networking event hop on a workshop with someone over zoom I find that it feels for me one it feels like it's less of an intrusion into my day and two I have found that it's given me more confidence being in my own space but also I don't feel bad if I'm Googling something to back up what it is that I'm looking for. Like we can research at the same time as presenting and absorbing information. And more than anything, having a recording of every session has just been a godsend. Yeah. Like being able to go back and say, I think I said something that was actually relevant and I can't remember what it was. (laughs) Or do you remember that thing that you said? Yeah. And recording it and listening back to the audio or watching back the video if you choose to. It has been so fundamentally helpful for me and the way that I learn and the way that I like to grow and experience that. Yeah, it's just it's super. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. There's definitely more of a I now know who I am as a person, as a learner, as a worker. And and this is what really works for me. And that's not a bad thing, is it? Having more clarity on that. No. Although it can go the other way where I'm at the point now where I'm like, ah, I just don't want to go outside anymore. Can (laughs) everything be done online? Can leave the house? Oh, God. Yeah, it it does need, (laughs) in this instance, it does need to be a balance. We'll get there. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing so much about your your business and everything. Um, I love wrapping up these episodes with kind of a key piece of advice. So from your business journey, and again, I know it's a big question, but from everything that you've kind of gone through, from the key moments that you've had, what would be the one piece of advice that you'd like to share with listeners? I think um, I might have said this differently if you'd have just asked me for my general piece of advice. But I think on the back of that conversation, I think what I would say is to never underestimate how you've got to where you are now. And actually, everything in your life has led you to this point. Every experience is still it's still valid, it's still valuable, it's part of who you are. There's so many things we've done in our past that we don't necessarily think are relevant to the business, but everything is. You know, we are the sum of all of those parts. So yeah, never underestimate all the random things you've done in the past and how you can help bring them into your business to help you. I love that. Absolutely. That's such a powerful message because I feel like we're often so critical of our past decisions. But every decision that we make is done with the best intention of what we know at the time. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, don't don't beat your past self up for, for things. There's things in there that people, you know, I look at like the athletics and you think, how is that relevant to my business? And I think in the early days, I didn't really think it massively was. But it's almost a case of actually allowing that to come through and recognising 
the benefits. And that's what I mean. I think so many people have got things in their past they don't think are relevant, but they absolutely are. Yeah, I love it. I love seeing those reflections happen in these episodes as well. There are so many times when I've been chatting with someone that are like, I actually hadn't seen how things have pieced together in quite this way because it's not very often that we sit there and talk about our business journeys from start to finish. And it's interesting to see the bits and the trends that are kind of flowing through. Amazing. So, right. Well, unless you have anything else that there is that you want to share with the listeners, let's wrap it up there for today, Paula. I absolutely loved hearing about your journey. I think that it's so important to reflect back on the tools that also serve us at different times, I think has been something that I've really taken away from your story, which is incredibly helpful. So where can the listeners find more of you online? Probably the easiest place to find me is to come and hunt down my Facebook group, the Business Growth Community. Uh, I'm sharing hints and tips in there about business every single day. Um, You will find me on LinkedIn um, and you will also find me on Instagram. Lots of chatter on social media. Amazing. All of those links will be in the show notes, listeners. So you can go and connect with Paula, have a conversation, see what advice and bits that she's sharing. Um, I definitely enjoyed being in your group recently. That has been wonderful. You have such a lovely engaged community. So yeah, anyone out there listening, definitely go and have a look at that through the show notes. Go and connect. Thank you so, so much, Paula. I really appreciate your time today. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Tammy. It's been fabulous to be here with you. And listeners, if you are also enjoying the podcast, as always, I ask that you share these episodes with just one other person. One other person, it may help. It really helps us to grow the show. It helps us to bring you all of these wonderful guests every week and new episodes. Um, And until next time, head over to our social channels. You can find me either over on Clubhouse or LinkedIn, or you can find the Brand Lounge podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And we can connect and continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.